Good morning, Cabot. How are we doing this morning? Come on, how are we doing this morning? All right, that's better. Hey, it's great to be with you guys this morning. Been looking forward to coming to Cabot. And uh, I think some of you may know that actually James is down at the Greater Little Rock campus this weekend, James and Cody. I'm excited about that. I know he's got a great word down there for those guys, but uh, looking forward to being here with you. I know that I'm excited about this series we've been in. We're about to wrap it up. Actually, this weekend wraps it up, but I just love Pastor Rick, his vision, just allowing us to go around to different campuses and speak. And I've had a blast going around the state and, and speaking. And like he said, I, I'm from the Greater Little Rock campus, but this, this past year, we had a little bit of a change in my role, and I've been able to go around the state and helping us build some campuses around the state and actually got to ha- have a little, little help here. Got to, got to help out here in the building of this campus. You guys loving your new building? Man, this is great. And I'm loving this. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've realized traveling around is all our different campus pastors are all great friends of mine is how talented some of these guys are. I mean, they are unbelievable, some of these campus pastors. They are just like oozing with talent. Now, James is not one of them, but... <laughs> Um, no, seriously, James is talented. But here's what I will tell you about James. He is talented. Um, James and I talk every week, and he is a, he's a pastor. God made him to be a pastor. He, he loves you guys. I, I'm constantly, he's calling me and just telling me about you guys and what's going on in your lives. And I'm just so thankful for James and for Cody, what they mean to the Bates family, and I'd love for him. He's pastored my kids during a, a time of their life, and I'm so thankful for them. Will you give it up for James and Cody Bennett? Come on. And I think I got a picture of my family. My, these kids, they grow up really fast. Um, there's my, my wife, Sherilyn, about to be married for 24 years. If she stays with me, I think she's going to. And, um, and then there's Caitlin on the left. And we just moved her back into ASU Jonesboro yesterday. She's going to be a junior. And uh, guys, she's taken. Sorry about that. But, um, and then there's my son, Justin. He turns 16 in two weeks. And... That means he's going to start driving in two weeks. And here's what I've learned is buying car insurance for a 16-year-old boy is really close to insuring the space shuttle going to Mars. <laughs> I just want to tell you people that have young boys, you better save up. College is nothing. Insurance for a 16-year-old boy, that's the real deal. All right, so look, I really am excited to dive into the Word today. We're going to be talking about a topic, and I said, Jesus knows how you feel. And I'm really excited about this. I just want to jump right into the Word. We're going to look here right off the bat at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one. You and I, we have one. He he has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So what this verse says to me is, is that Jesus knows how I feel that he knows how you feel. He's been here. He's had bad days like you and I have had bad days. He's had good days. You know, I I love good days. I don't know about you guys. Like last week, I walked in and Sherilyn had made my favorite cake. It was a yellow cake with chocolate icing. Ooh, it was so good. You know, a good day is when I walk in the door and like my kids actually say thank you for something I've done for them. Can I get a witness, parents? That's a good day right there. Or what about when the Razorbacks whip up on LSU? That right there, that's a good day. And uh, I actually classify that as a God day. And, uh, but look, Just like he had good days. He had good days just like you and I. He also had bad days. He had days filled with disappointment and loss and grief, uh, utter chaos. Just every feeling that we have experienced, he has been there. Look, whenever you feel like, look, I'm at the end of my rope, he understands. 
He, he gets it. When, when you shake your head at impossible deadlines, he shakes his too. When you have your plans interrupted by other people's plans, he nods with empathy. You know why? He has been there. But Satan's number one job is to try to convince you Jesus doesn't care about you, that he doesn't know how you feel. Let me tell you what, that is a lie. He knows how we feel, and he cares. 1 Peter 5, 7 says that we are to cast our cares upon him, for he cares for us. Our God cares for us. So here's what I want to let you know. When the IRS calls and says you're under audit, when your child calls you and says, hey, mom, dad, I'm okay, but does our insurance cover the other guy's car? Or when, when the check bounces, you get the pink slip at work, or you're a student, you find out that your best friend's moving two or three states away. I want you to know, our God, Jesus, he knows how we feel. He has experienced it all. And I, I wanna just take the next few minutes and, and really prove this out with scripture here. And then we're gonna kinda change and go a different direction the last half, but the first part, we're gonna look at something. Here's what I want you to know. You may not know this. There's actually only two days two days in Christ's life that are talked about in all four of the Gospels. Only two days. One's the crucifixion, and the other one is the one we're going to talk about today. You can research it later today. It's found in Matthew 14. It's found in Mark 6, Luke 9, and John 6. Look, his baptism, his birth, his temptation, none of those days are talked about in all four Gospels, but this day is. And I think you're going to understand in a minute why. It's so that you and I can know that our God, Jesus, that he understands our humanity, that he was 100% God, but he was also 100% human. He was a man, just like you and I, he felt everything, all right? So here's what we're going to do. We're just going to jump into the Word, and, and on this day, here's what I'm just to set it up. We're going to be looking at Luke, uh, we're going to be looking at Matthew 14, actually. But, but to set this up, here's how he probably started his day, all right? Probably just a normal day, and uh, he probably started out doing a little CrossFit out in the woods. You know, he is Jesus. And, um, and then after that, I I'm sure he was, you know, listening to K-Love, uh, reading his morning devotional that he wrote, hashtag Jesus is the word, and um, going to do a little light carpentry that day. That's, I'm sure that's what he had planned. And then let's look what happened, Matthew 14, verse 11. This is John the Baptist, his friend they're talking about. John the Baptist, his head was brought in on a platter and given to the girl who carried it to her mother. John's disciples came and, and took his body and they buried it. Then they went and told Jesus, look, John the Baptist was his forerunner. This is literally one of his very best friends in the entire world, all right? He's a cousin of his. He finds out mid-morning about nine or 10 o'clock that his his best friend has been murdered. The reason he's been murdered is because he's talking about Jesus. Can you imagine that being the start of your day? The thing is, some of you can't imagine it because you've been in a similar situation. You've gotten that phone call in the middle of the night. It's your mom, your dad, your grandmother that she's passed away. Or you, you've been there when hospice came into the house of your loved one. You've been there in the hospital holding the hand of that person so close to you when they took their very last breath. You've been there. The thing I want to make sure you know today is Jesus has too. It's our first point I want to tell you today. He's experienced loss and grief too. His world got up, turned upside down in just a moment, just like yours did. 
And that's why he was able to say in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, he was able to say, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Why? Because when he was grieving, when he was hurting, because John the Baptist just got murdered, man, he knows the Holy Spirit just showed up and comforted him. That's why he can tell you with, with confidence, look, I'm just telling you the Holy Spirit's going to be there to comfort you when you need it. I know because the Holy Spirit showed up for me when I need it. And, you know, I, just like James and Pastor Rick and many others, I've had to help officiate many funerals, and some of them are just, man, they just absolutely rip your heart out. I had a good friend of mine I play golf with. He's about my age, and uh, he just he fell over dead, actually, about three weeks ago. And I just I couldn't believe it. I still, to this day, I still can't even believe it. Talking to his wife and everything they're going through, and it just, I just can't hardly make heads or tails of it. Why this happen? And then every once in a while, though, you do a different kind of funeral. And that's where, you know, you just have somebody, they're like the patriarch of the faith. Y'all been to those, you know, somebody that's just like 80, 90 years old. They serve the Lord their entire life. And um, they're just right there at the end of their life. It's like they're seeing visions of heaven. They can't wait to go. And they're just like, please let me go to heaven, you know. And you're just, at that point in your life, you're just like, you know, this is what, this is what the Lord wants. It's time for them to go. And it's almost like a celebration. Then every once in a while, we have those funerals to where it just gets crazy. And um, there's people, they want to do things at funerals. And I'm like, oh, I don't think I would do that. I, I don't think that's going to turn out the way you think it is. I know you think it's a good idea, but I just don't know that I would do that. I just saw a clip of a, of a funeral just the other day that reminded me of that. Why don't you check this out? And my brothers, I heard David said just the other day, Oh, if I have wings like this dove, for then will I fly away and be at rest. Ooh. I don't know if you heard that guy. Ooh, he didn't fly. He did not fly away. He did rest. He just didn't fly away. All right. So look. Here's all I'll let you know. So, so Jesus starts his morning out with one of his best friends getting murdered. And it's because of him. So you know Satan's trying to attack him with guilt and shame. And then the next thing he finds out is, is that he's on the most wanted list too. Look at this. Luke chapter 9, verse 9. But Herod said, I beheaded John. Who then is this that I hear such things about? And he tried to see him. All right, so look, he wasn't just wanting to drop by Jesus' house for like a, give him a housewarming gift. No, he wanted his head. He was now on the most wanted list, all right? This is the start of his day, all right? Point number two is he was rejected too. This is just the very beginning of the rejection that Jesus was going to experience. For the rest of his life, he's going to experience rejection. He's not surprised by this, though. He knew he was going to be rejected. In Luke chapter 17, verse 25, this is Jesus says, But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Why, Why did he have to be rejected? I think the reason he had to be rejected is because when you and I feel rejection, that we can know that, that our God, he felt it too. He experienced it. You know when you think you're up, you're the one that's going to get the promotion? It's your turn to get the promotion, and then all of a sudden the guy in the cubicle next to you, he gets the promotion. You know the guy that shows up 15 to 30 minutes late for work every day, and you're like, what's up with that? 
Or what about, you know, you're a student, you're trying out for the football team, and you and your best friend, you're going for the same position, and he gets the starting job, and you're riding the pine, you're sitting on the bench? Or, or maybe, you know, your spouse leaves you for somebody else. Your girlfriend, your, your boyfriend, they dump you. You feel ultimate rejection. I want you to know, Jesus was rejected too. He understands how we feel. So after the murder, after being on the most wanted list, feeling rejection, he wants to get away and grieve. This is all he wants to do. He just wants to get away, be with God, to grieve, to spend some time with the Father. He is hurting so bad. And then the next thing that happens, this is, a, this is about lunchtime, all right? Look here. Mark chapter 6, verse 30. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and thought. All right, so his boys, his fellows, the guys that he had trained out, trained up, to send out to do ministry. They've just gone out for the very first time without him to do ministry, the first time. But they don't know John's been beheaded. They don't know John's been murdered. And they come flying back up. They're like, Jesus, you won't believe what we just did. You will not believe this. Peter's like, there was this guy, Jesus, he had never been able to walk, all right? He'd been paralyzed from birth. And I went over and touched him and he was moonwalking like Michael Jackson. You should have seen it. And then, and then Andrew's like, this lady, she, she had never been able to see, and I just I touched her eyes, and immediately she had sight. John was like, I wish you could have seen it, Jesus. I was just teaching them like a boss. It was just like you were teaching them. Matthew, he reported the healing of a blind woman. James was talking to crowds. They were following him everywhere. Here it is. He just wants to get alone. He just wants to grieve, and his best friends show up and throw a surprise party. But what does Jesus have to do? He has to celebrate with them. He has to. Point number three is he understands when it goes from calm to chaos. You've been there too. A perfectly good morning. Everything got turned upside down for him. Everything in his world got turned upside down. A murder. Somebody after his head. A surprise party. And then now it's he tries to get away with his guys. Now, finally, I'm going to get away, right? It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He thinks he's going to get away. And look what happens next in Luke 9. This is all the same day, folks. Luke 9, verse 10. When the apostles returned, they told Jesus everything they had done. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. But the crowds found out where he was going, and they followed him. He welcomed them. He taught them about the kingdom of God. And he healed those who were sick. Late in the afternoon, the 12 disciples came to him and said, send the crowds away. I mean, here it is. They, they've had a great day. And what are they doing? They're like, oh, we've had enough. Send them away, right? Send the crowds away to the nearby villages and farms so they can find food and lodging for the night. There is nothing to eat here in this remote place. But Jesus says, you feed them. They're like, but we only have five loaves of bread and two fish, a two-piece meal deal from Long John Silver's. That's all we got, Jesus. What do you want us to do? They answered, or, or are you expecting us to go and buy enough food for this whole crowd? For there were about 5,000 men there. 5,000 men. This doesn't count the women, the children, cousin Eddie, his entourage. I mean, look, there was probably 25,000 people there. They show up. They don't know what's happened to Jesus. They want to be taught. They want to be fed. And what does Jesus have to do? He takes care of them. So look, here's what I want you to know. The next time you think, Man, you're having a great day. You're having a great week. And then all of a sudden you get a text from your boss. It says, hey, I need to see you in my office right now. The word around the office is, is that layoffs are coming. 
or you get a certified letter from your ex-wife that says she's taking you back to court, she wants more child support, or your mom calls you and says, it's cancer, it's not good, it's, it's, it's the bad kind, or maybe the principal calls from school and says, hey, I need to talk to you about your son and daughter today, about what's been going on at school, I need to talk to you right now. I want you to know when your world gets turned from calm to chaos, just like that, Jesus knows how you feel. He, he has been there. And the, f- the fourth thing I want to tell you is he understands the stress of life's demands. He gets it. I, I think about how stressful my days can get, and I think about Sherilyn, too. How, how she, she works at home. She's worked for home, from home for a long time. And I just think about sometimes I would come home from work, and, man, it was chaos. <laughs> I would walk through the door, and uh, some of you can, can, you can get this. You can uh, feel this. I would walk through the door and, you know, maybe you'd have Justin be in the living room or whatever. Maybe some of you, you have two boys, you know, they're in the living room playing. And one of them's like, Mama, Mama, he hit me. And the other one yells back, Mama, he hit me first. And then your daughter's maybe over at the kitchen table. She's doing her homework. She's like, Mama, Mama, I need you to help me with my homework right now, please, Mama. And she's cooking and she's doing laundry. And all of a sudden you see this, this look in her eye. It's not a good look. And you hear her mumbling under her breath, if somebody says Mama... Ladies, you can finish this sentence for me. If somebody says mama what? If somebody says mama one more time, let me tell you what, young dads, I'm going to give you a tip. Tip of the day right here. You better get the kids out of the house now. You better get them to the backyard. You better get them out of the house or you're going to come up one short. I'm just telling you right now, it will happen. Look, I I don't know about you. I've had some crazy days. This message came to me when I was having a crazy day. But then I was reminded of this day in Jesus' life, and I realized I've never had a day compared to this day. All the events, everything he had to deal with, this is all in one day. The crazy thing is, it's not over yet. After all that's gone on, you've heard it all, he finally sends his guys, he sends them out on a boat. They're fishermen, right? He sends them out on a boat on the sea for the night, he's like, I've got to get away. I've got to pray. I've got to spend time with the Father. He goes up on the mountain. It's really late at night. And look what happens in the middle of the night. Mark 6, verse 47, 48. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake. He was alone on land, and he saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. And shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. Their boat was about to capsize, And he's Jesus, though. He went out to them. He had to go out and save them. And so here's what I want to let you know. The last thing before we change directions here is, you know, when on a Tuesday afternoon, say, the boss walks into your office and you think, man, I've got to the end of the the week to finish this report. And he says, I want the report on my desk tomorrow morning, 8 a.m. You realize I'm not leaving the office tonight. I've got to pull an all-nighter. Or maybe you're a mom and you think, hey, I just, I'm finally going to get a good night's sleep. And then you're up all night long with a colicky baby. Or maybe you're a mom or a dad and it's 11, it's 12 at night. And you think, you know, your, your son is not answering your text messages, your phone calls. He's late for curfew. I just want you to know, Jesus gets it. He's experienced every emotion, every feeling we've ever experienced. He has done it. Here's what I love about my God, and I hope you do too, is he, he could have sent an angel. He could have sent a messenger. He could have sent an ambassador. said, hey, I want you to go down to earth, and I want you to tell me what it feels like. Come, come back and tell me what it feels like. Tell me the emotions and the feelings, what pain is. I want you to do that. No. He robed himself in flesh. He came to earth. 
He felt everything we felt. He didn't come down here for a photo op. He didn't like show up for one day, put on a hard hat, take a photo, and then run back to heaven. No. For 33 years, he was here. He experienced everything we experienced except for to a higher level. And then he was willing to go through a death that you or I never have to go to, never have to go through. He experienced that real pain for you and for me. And I don't know about you, but that brings me a lot of comfort. But here's where I want to change directions and tell you this. He felt everything we felt. He had every emotion that we felt. But what he didn't do is he didn't live his life by emotions and feelings. He didn't react when things came his way unexpected by his emotions and feelings. He responded by his convictions, by the principles found in the Word of God. Who he is, he is the Word and he wrote it. Let's look and see on this day, how did he respond to what came his way on this day? The first thing he did was he treated those in need with compassion. Look at this verse. I want you all to leave this up on the screen for just a minute, too, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about it for a second. Mark 6, verse 34, it says, When Jesus landed and he saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd, so he began teaching them many things. If this was Harry, it would have said, When Harry landed and he saw a large crowd, he told them to go away. He wasn't feeling good that day. And because they were like sheep without a shepherd, he said, Please stop grazing in my pen and go back to your own, all right? That's exactly what I would have said on this day. You would have too. Don't be looking at me, that condescending look. You'd have done the same thing. Look, he was having like one of the worst days of his entire life. What did he do on the worst day of his entire life? He had compassion on them. You know, there's days we need compassion. There's days we need comfort. There's days we need somebody to love us. Let me tell you this, the best way to get comfort and compassion is to give it to somebody else. I experienced this, uh, I want to tell you a story. About 10 years ago, I saw this play out in my own life. About 10 years ago, before I was ever on staff, I was working in downtown Little Rock, and there was a guy that went to our church at the time, and his, his name was Jason Christman. He gave me permission to tell this story. Jason had a, a four-year-old daughter named Sierra, and early one morning, his ex-wife was, was driving Sierra in town from, from Pine Bluff towards Little Rock to take her to school. And he gets word that there was a tragic car accident that he needed to get to Children's Hospital immediately. He races to Children's Hospital. He gets there. Uh, somehow word made it to me and a few other folks. We, we were lay pastors at the time. And I remember rushing up to the hospital. And I get in there. It's probably 10 or 11 o'clock that morning, and I, I realized immediately, this is not good. It, it's not good. Barring an absolute supernatural miracle, I realized immediately, this little girl's not going to make it. And I remember standing there in that room with Jason and his four-year-old little girl, and I had a little boy and a little girl at the time, and I'm just sitting there looking at, at Jason and her, and I'm just like, God, what is going on right now? And I ended up, you know, we, a couple of us prayed, and we ended up walking outside the room. We're looking through the glass in that ICU room on the third floor at Children's Hospital, and I watched him turn off the machines, his four-year-old little girl. And I watched her stop breathing, and her heart stop beating. And I watched that dad just standing there over his little girl, and knowing that he would never see her this side of eternity ever again. And we... She walked, he walked out of that room, and 
I mean, what do you say? There's nothing you can say. There's nothing you can do. And we're trying to console him. And we start walking out of that ICU area down towards <clears throat> the ICU waiting room. We're walking down this hall, and he's just walking along. And then all of a sudden, I notice he just darts over to the right. And I'm, my head's down, and I look up, and there's a lady leaning up against the wall. And he said, ma'am, are you okay? And she said, no, I'm not. My little boy's in here, and I don't think he's going to make it. And he said, well, ma'am, can, can I pray with you? Do you mind if I pray with you? And he starts praying over this lady. <laughs> One of the most amazing prayers I've ever felt in my entire life. The presence of God just dropped in that place. It was just, whoo. And I mean, we start praying, and I mean, God ministered through Jason that day. Like, that lady was different. When we walked away, she was different when we walked away. I'm going to tell you what. I watched Jason over the years. He never got bitter. He only got better. The reason why is because he was founded on the Word of God. This guy loved the Lord with all of his heart. He didn't react out of feelings and emotions. He, he reacted on that day, from that day forward, based on the convictions and the Word of God. That Jason and his wife ended up going on the mission field. They became missionaries in the country of Guatemala. They went down there. They helped build churches, saw people come to know Christ. He's actually now back at the Greater Little Rock campus going through the school of ministry, and God is doing great and mighty things through him because in his darkest moment, in his darkest hour, instead of retreating away, man, he just poured out compassion on people that needed it. And I want to give God a hand for what he did through Jason Christman. Come on, let's give God a hand. The second thing that Jesus did on this day was he made time to pray. He made time to pray. Matthew 14, 22 through 23 says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat, go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. This is the end, at the end of that very day, the crazy day. He sends them away. He'd been trying to get alone with God all day long to pray, but people just kept coming at him with knees. And what did he do? He just kept pouring out compassion on them, kept pouring out compassion on them, teaching them, giving them everything they needed. And then finally he realized that there does come a point where you have to say no to the crowd and you have to say yes to what is vital. He realized he was at the end. He needed time with the Father. Sometimes we just have to stop and pray. I don't do this enough. I blow it sometimes. There's so many times I just need to stop and pray when I'm having a horrible day and I don't do it. And it doesn't work out so well for me. I remember there was a day not too long ago, several, I mean, it was a few years back, and I remember coming home from a day at work. It was just, it just wasn't the best day. And uh, I was a little frustrated and hadn't prayed much that day. And I come home and I'm out in the backyard feeding the dogs. We have two dogs. We have our family dog. His name is Jack. And um, he, he's, he's no longer with us. And uh, he was about 12 years old at the time. And he was so feeble. He could like barely get up and down the stairs. We had to help him up from the backyard into the house. And then my daughter, though, she wanted her own dog. And it was a golden retriever, princess, female. And she was a real young dog. Anyway, I'm feeding them in the backyard. And as dogs tend to do when you feed them, what do they end up doing? They get into a fight. Well, Princess is this young dog. She just jumps on our old dog and has him down. Of course, I just jump in there and I just rip him apart because I'm very strong. And um, 
And about that time, I mean, Jack's bloody and Princess is fine and I, I rip them apart and I'm just like, that's, that's enough. I'm sending Princess to the pound. And I look over my shoulder and there stands Caitlin. So when you tell a 14-year-old, when you scream at the top of your lungs that you're going to take a 14-year-old little girl's dog to the pound, it doesn't work out real well. I'm just going to tell you what, full of emotion, full of hormones, uh, we sent her through months of counseling. Um, I still, I don't, still don't think she's forgiven me. I still ask for forgiveness daily. It didn't work out well. I should have stopped and prayed. I should have just stopped and prayed that day. I didn't. That's what I, that's what I needed to do. You know, when Jesus says in the word, you have heard the statement, blessed are the meek. So many times we hear that meek and we think that means weak. It does not mean weak. Meek means focused. It means focused. Look, here, here's what it, blessed are the meek. Better stated, here's what I think it should be say is, blessed are those who admit they are not God and they've stopped applying for his job. That's what blessed are the meek should say. Because that's exactly who we need to be. Look, when, when he went to pray that day, it wasn't like a rule or a requirement. It wasn't like some ritual prayer, some rehearsed prayer. You know, your kids, they pray those rehearsed prayers. I remember when our kids were young, Justin's, one night I got next to him, you know, we would kneel down next to his bed and he's time to go to sleep. And I go, all right, buddy, it's your turn to pray tonight. And he would go, God is great. God is good. Let us thank him for our food. And I'm like, with one eye, I'm looking over at Sherilyn. I was like, hey, bud, um, it's not dinner time. Um, we, we got to pray a little bit different, but he just had some rehearsed prayer that really didn't have much meaning to it. When Jesus prayed this night, after this day, how many of us know there was a lot of meaning behind that prayer? How many of us know he was crying out, Lord, I need you like I am sapped. I need you to refill me to overflowing. Sometimes we've got to stop and pray. Just You remember earlier in the day when he gave thanks over the five loaves and two fishes? I'm just going to say that wasn't a rehearsed prayer. I'm going to guess it was like, thank you, Lord, that you're getting me through this day. I don't know how I'm going to make it, but I'm just trusting and believing you're going to get me through, Lord. Thank you right now that you're going to multiply this bread, that you're going to multiply these fish, Lord. I know you're going to show up because I need you. I, I believe he prayed with all of his heart, and there was conviction behind his prayer. The last thing that I want to tell you today about about Christ and how he reacted that day and how we can react to is that he remained in relationship with and he made time for his friends. After the murder of his best friend and all these things, being on the most wanted list, everything that went on this crazy day, how easy would it have been for him to just go into isolation? Just to go into seclusion? How, I mean, it would have been so easy for him to do that. But that's not what he did. And he was always the example for us. We need our friends in time like this. I remember there's a movie. I know the ladies will definitely remember this. And then some of you about my age are going to remember there was a chick flick one time called Still Magnolias. Anybody remember Still Magnolias? Uh-huh. And um, Sally Fields, she lost her daughter. And her daughter's name in the movie was Shelby. Shelby was 23 years old. And she tragically died. I think she had diabetes. She had a one-year-old son and... And man, she was just crushed, just crushed. She just lost her 23-year-old daughter. But what she did do right is she kept her friends around. I want you to check out this scene when they were in the cemetery right after the funeral. Check this out. 
I just want to hit somebody until they feel as bad as I do. I just want to hit something. I want to hit it hard. <laughs> Here. Hit this. Go ahead, Malin. Slop her. Are you crazy? Hit her. Are you high, Clary? Clary, have you lost your mind? We'll sell T-shirts saying I slapped Weezer Boudreaux. Hit her. Miss Clary, enough. Weezer, this is your chance to do something for your fellow man. Knock her lights out, Malin. Go of me. Malin, you just missed a chance of a lifetime. Half a chick pin parish and give the eye teeth to take a whack of ways up. <laughs> All right. How many of you have a Weeza in your group, you know? If you don't have a Weeza in your group or you don't know who Weeza is, I hope you don't end up being Weeza. Because every group's got to have one. This day... He goes up on the mountain. He's seeking after God. I mean, he needs him. He is grieving. We, we've been there. I know most of you, you've been there. Where you've lost that person that's just almost closer than nobody else in your life to you. And this time, I mean, it's even a murder. And his heart is broken. He is grieving. And he's up there on that mountain. And he sees his, his fellas out on the boat. And he sees the boat you know, about to capsize, and he's looking down there, and he's got a decision to make. Like, what am I going to do? <laughs> am I just going to stay up here alone with the Father and just say, hey, you know, it, it, it'll be okay? Let's, what does he do? That's not, that's not at all what he does. Matthew 14, 28 through 31. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. I mean, Jesus comes walking down on the water. He comes off that mountain. He's walking on the water. Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat. He walked on the water. He came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately, immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. You know, I, I believe he's sitting up there on that, that mountain. There's two things I believe without a doubt. When he's sitting on that mountain... He could have just snapped his fingers and said, peace be still. The storm would have stopped. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. He could have snapped his fingers. He could have stopped that storm. And he could have stayed up there in isolation. I believe, number one is, I believe he wanted to be around them. I believe he had gotten refilled with the Spirit of God. And I believe he wanted to be comforted and be around those guys. And there's a lot we could learn from that. The second thing, though, is he saw his friends drowning. He saw they needed somebody to save them. And I'm going to tell you what, he is in the saving business. If you're here today and you know, I, I need you, Lord. You, you feel like you feel like Peter. You, you feel like right now the water is rising. It's it's. It's about to take you under. Your, your boat is about to capsize. You're in the middle of the worst storm of your entire life. I want to tell you what, we have a Savior that all you have to do is say, Lord, save me. And he will reach down and he will save you every single time. And the reason why is he knows how you feel. He cares for you. He just wants to pour out compassion and love and comfort on you. 
So right now, I want to do this. I just want us to go to the Lord in prayer, which is exactly what some of us need to do right now. And I just want to ask you to, to bow your heads all over this room and close your eyes, just mainly so you won't get distracted. You know, I don't know exactly where you're at. I know this. I know the one who knows exactly where you're at. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows every feeling and emotion that you've been dealing with. He knows what you were talking about in the car on the way here. He knows what you were dealing with this last week at work. He knows what's going on with your child, with your mom, with your grand. He knows everything about you. And I know this. He loves you and he cares for you. And I believe there's some of you, you're in the middle of a storm. Maybe you just come out of a storm and if you may be about to head into a storm. I know this. We need a Savior. We need a Lord. A Lord that that tells us everything He thinks about us. He did that in His Word. Everything we need to know to get through this life, He gave it to us. He is the Word of God. And I want to tell you right now, heads bowed and eyes closed, if you need Jesus to save you, if you feel like you're in the middle of a storm right now, and you're just like, I need Jesus. Jesus, I need you right now. I want to ask you to raise your hand all over this room. I want to pray over you. I want to see who you are. Keep them up high. There's a lot of hands. Just keep them up there. He loves, he loves it when we say, I need you. He wants to know it. All right, you can put your hands down. I just want to pray over you guys right now. Lord, I just thank you right now. You know where they're at. I don't have to know exactly what they're going through because I know this, you know. Lord, I just pray they just know right now, whenever they cry out, Lord, save me, that you are there, that you're going to reach down, that you're not going to let them drown that all you want is to be in relationship with them, for them to turn to you, Lord. You want to pour out this compassion, this comfort on them, Lord. You want to make sure that they are in relationship with other people. You want to help them find those relationships, Lord. I just pray they don't go into isolation, Lord. They will stay in relationship with you, in relationship with their church family and their friends, Lord, and that you'll give them the answer that they need right now in this moment, in this day. And if there's anybody in this room, Lord, right now, that they're calling you to be their Lord and Savior for the first time, or really they just, they have gone so far away from you and they know right now you're calling them back to be in relationship with with you again. I just want to ask you guys, if that's you, just quietly pray this prayer along with me right now. Lord, I need you. I need a Savior. Please save me. Thank you that you went to the cross, that you felt everything. For me, Lord, those nails, Lord, you felt the pain. You were a human being. You were just like me. You felt that pain. That crown of thorns, Lord, you felt it. The lashes on your back, you felt it, Lord. You took it so I didn't have to feel it. You took it for me, Lord. And I thank you that you've taken away my sins, Lord, that you have forgiven me. And I thank you today that not only have you forgiven me, that you have saved me today my Lord, my Savior, Jesus. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's do this. Let's stand all over this room. I believe the Lord is speaking to some of us right now, and I just want us to just go back into a time of worship with Him. Let's worship our Lord and Savior.